Welcome back to another episode of the Dead Writers Talk. I'm your host, Jess, and thanks for joining me. There's only two episodes left in the second season before we take another break to get ready to bring you season three. For our episode this week, we'll be answering some frequently asked questions about writing for you all. To help answer these questions, we have Aurora and Sasha here. Hi, guys. Hello. Hi. Hi. (laughs) Thank you for uh, coming on to kind of help out answer some questions that we have we've got uh some questions that i thought up we also have questions from our lovely social media accounts um so yeah if we're ready to kind of get into it let's answer some some questions about writing people are curious let's let's try and give them some answers i have no clue what these questions are gonna be great that's the point it'll be great i want to know your true honest answer this will be very candid exactly exactly um we've got a little note from coach clyde just to start us all off uh he may not be here to answer all the questions but he's very very sure that you guys are going to do him proud so no pressure okay clyde's counting on you okay be careful Um, so we're going to start off with just some questions from the internet that I came up with. Uh, let's start off with, is there such thing as too much backstory? Uh, I kind of violently want to say yes to this (laughs) only because (laughs) I pick up, nothing ruins a fantasy story for me more than we're just starting with info dump. And it's like, I don't care about any of these characters or their backstory yet. (laughs) (laughs) So yes, I think there is too much backstory. Um, But it also depends on the reader. And it also depends on the genre. But I think in storytelling, so long as you're not like, even even in nonfiction, there has to be a story element to it. And, And unfortunately, backstory is not the main part of the story. I do agree with that, yeah. But I think it also depends where it is. So as you mentioned at the start, when they all just dump it on you, of course you don't care. But it is nice to have like little glimpses into their past life just to get a better understanding of who they are as a person. And But of course, it's like um, depending on whether it moves along the plot. So there's this finding this balance that's really important. Yeah, I I would say, though, again, like, there is an instance where there wouldn't be too much. And I'm thinking there, you know, if if there's some story, some series that I'm in love with, and the author decided to put out an extra novella that's just all backstory, I'd pick that up in a heartbeat, because that's different. But yeah, yeah, most of the time, yes, there's definitely a a, too much backstory is very possible. (laughs) So it's all about kind of finding the balance and figuring out how much is necessary for the story and then how much is like, maybe right. make a novella. And it's very hard. It's very, very tricky because I can say, yes, there's too much backstory. But what that amount actually is, is going to change from story to story. There's no set in stone. Well, don't have more than three paragraphs or like there's no way to gauge it whatsoever because every story is different everybody's preferences are different so it it just really has to be is story is this furthering the story or not that's the only way i can say for people when they're deciding to put in backstory or not 
Yeah, and there's always like the option of a little prologue, which I feel like is sort of the semi like in between um, version of backstory where you can just put a lot of it through, um, but at the same time, it doesn't affect the story directly. So yeah, perfect. So in that case, is there such thing as too little backstory? Yeah, because I'm getting told that by editors right now. <laughs> I have too little backstory, but it's mm. it's because, and I, I hate to be honest, I'm not good at balancing backstory and, and plot. I like to get right to the plot. And so I purposefully made this world that I, that I was creating, that the longer you're there, the more you forget. And so there was really no point for backstory because she forgot it all anyways. Um, she only remembered a little bit and like I really honed in on those couple of things. But yeah, I'm getting told. Mm, you didn't there's just not enough like they can't get behind the character because they don't know enough about her yet that's so interesting um but yeah i definitely agree with the little backstory because you can have a very um like a very sort of no one says this but like a thin character you don't there's nothing really to root for and it doesn't really set up the world um and once again it's all about like once again it's depending on the book of course but you want to have this like uh psychological um understanding of the character and if there's no backstory it can't you you don't really understand who they are as a person so right and you can't like you can you know list out the traits but it's that whole show don't tell you want to see what the character is like through some part of their life through something that either happened to them that they experienced that they did themselves no, I think you both made some really interesting points and I think it'll kind of help clear it up because I mean, myself personally, I feel like with my whip, I might be with too little backstory. So I kind of want to let people figure it out like as they go and not right. kind of like dump it all on them, mm -hmm. but like just like slowly reveal little things throughout. Right. You know, the figuring out, that's the skill of a writer of, where and when and how to reveal things so that it's still a story and it's not an info dump and mm -hmm. it's interesting to read exactly perfect let's go on to our next question what's the difference between scenes and chapters i feel like chap well from a structural point of view chapters are the sort of heading underneath which scenes go um and you can also just look at it like scenes are sort of like changes in the like if you have like um sort of steps by which the story progresses the steps are the scenes but then if you like amalgamate them that is the chapter i think too a good way to differentiate it is you can't have or you can have multiple scenes in a chapter it's not wise to have multiple chapters for one scene because um, you want to have the continuation. Sometimes you might break a scene in the middle to do a new chapter, but in a way, if you've gone to a new chapter, that's kind of a new scene. So can you kind of simplify it down to like, is there a set number of scenes per chapter or no. when do you no? There's not, <laughs> there's no rules to it whatsoever. It's, it's a vibe really. It's a feeling. It's, 
you know, if you're watching, if you compare it to a movie, um, a scene break is when they probably, you know, there's the fade where conversation ends. There might be a black screen or they're fading to a new setting, a new location, new characters. That would be a scene. Um, chapters. Chapters are where you can you have the most freedom. Um, some people like to end chapters on a cliffhanger, get people to keep reading. Some people like to end chapters on a clean scene break before we go into the next scene. Um, some people like to end chapters after every single scene, so you have nice short chapters. Some people like to end chapters based on um, like a theme where everything that I wanted to happen in this theme and these scenes happened in this chapter, so now I go on to the next one. With chapters, you have a lot more freedom of how they should work and, and how you want your story to flow. Chapters are kind of kind of how you the flow of your story and is it a quick is it a quick one? Is it a long one? Is it how is the story going? Scenes are a little more set in stone that it's whenever you're changing what's happening or the location that's a scene change yeah i feel like there should be links between the scenes but or even even if they're like different locations they still somehow have to make sense but but because you're going on this like umbrella of term of like chapter but the chapters themselves don't necessarily have to have a link it's obviously only when you look at it from like a holistic point of view does it have to make sense Mm -hmm. i think that's very well said um next question (laughs) Um, should I edit as I go? This is another violent no. (laughs) (laughs) Very much no. Um, and I, Shelby Meharan once touched on this. She's the author of Serpent and Dove. And she talked about how in her stories, you know, that it's, it's not smart to edit as you go. And and I'll explain why in a minute. But she said the only time she allows it is when the story is just, structurally no longer working and she cannot go forward unless she changes something integrally in the story back and she needs to work through that first like you know say i need to entirely change what this character's um something something integral about that character needs to change entirely and so i need to edit and i need to write that new to work it out before i can move forward and i wouldn't really even argue that that's editing that's more so Again, that's drafting, but editing. Yeah, you should not be worrying about grammar. You should not be worrying about adding in more imagery. You should not be worrying about, you know, oh, I need to spruce this up, this scene. Like that, that is all draft two stuff. Make a list of what you need to do in draft two. But if it's two mindsets, and if you're continually switching between drafting and editing mindset, it's going to be hard to stay in the drafting mindset actually get your story done i mean that raises another question of where do you draw the line between drafting and editing um yeah i don't this is the thing right like maybe it's because i don't necessarily plan as well as i should but sometimes i do sort of go back and mess like not mess around but like tweak certain points in the plot so that further along it like makes sense and like um comes together but that's once again plot based so i'm not going to go back and be like oh i should like you know add some more imagery as you said like i wouldn't do that but plot wise i think especially if you're realizing that there's you're lacking in certain areas um 
or there's just something that needs to be resolved that um, needs to be set beforehand, I feel like it's important to go and set it so that you know what you're sort of drawing out towards the end. Yeah. And, um, you know, back in the day, which was really kind of, I still do this, but when you are writing fan fiction or Wattpad or anything that's going on there and you're often writing to post as you go, you do have to edit as you go because you're writing a chapter and then you're posting it and sharing it. And then you're writing the next scene and you're posting that and sharing that. And so that was, that was tricky for me. And I will say it's not a good practice because in all of those where I didn't write it out completely and then edit and post, I really struggled to get it done. I really struggled to make it a good length. I I just would end up cutting it short because I'm like, I, I can't keep switching hats. I can't keep doing editing. And especially because editing itself can be like a month long process. And so if you keep taking these breaks from your story, you're going to forget where you were going with it. If you keep taking breaks to look at grammar and everything like that, you're going to forget, well, where was I creatively going with this? Um, you know, you can, and, and it's easier to take notes on a structural or or grammar change editing change you want to make it's easier to make a note of that than it is to make a note of where you were going with something creatively because I every time I look at my creative notes I'm like well this makes no sense you know it's just a random line that I I understood at the time but now I'm like how do, how do I go how do I make this part of the story that doesn't make sense <laughs> I'll definitely say from my own experience I used to edit as I go and like I've never finished like a story like I could never sit myself down and actually do it because I kept going back and like oh I want to change this like oh it's just it's just not quite right so it's it very much goes along with my whole mindset of I need to like tell myself it's the first draft for a reason right and again that's a good point you risk um you risk a flare-up of imposter syndrome essentially where if you're constantly going back and, and looking at your story critically like that, and you're going to start thinking this isn't good. Um, whereas if you have it finished and it's completely drafted, you're able to at least see, well, I wrote an entire book and that's really cool. And that's really good. Whereas if you're editing before then, you're just like, I can I can't even finish this. You know, you're going to have, or you could have, you know, more of a flare up of imposter syndrome. And this isn't true of everyone. For some people, it works. But I would say for most writers who struggle with editing, perfectionism, self-doubt, if you've ever felt that, just it's just smart to not edit before you're done. I agree from personal experience. <laughs> um, all right. What do we got next? How do I get published? Oh, this was convoluted before, but now it's even more convoluted because the paths that could have worked in the past might not work now. So like, we are in uncharted territory here. The era of pandemic has made things very convoluted. And and I will say I'm seeing more breakouts from self-published and fan fiction writers than I'm seeing from people querying. Um, but to, to let's just simplify it, I guess, for whoever asked this question. How do you get published? You have three routes. 
and and the path to those I, I cannot tell you because that's what's changing right now to get to those three routes. The first route would be self-publishing, where you pay to have everything done to your book that a publishing house would do, but but you're going about and sourcing all those resources to do it. So you're getting a cover made yourself. You are having the book edited by you paying someone to do that or getting your mom to do it. I don't know. Everybody self-publishes at different um, quality levels, but it's where you you are doing all the marketing, all of the designing and all of the writing and all of the editing. You have to wear all the hats and you have to have money. Um, the second way is traditional publishing where you find either an agent to help you or there are some publishing companies that you can just go directly to them. Not many, um, but you're getting this company essentially to do all of that that you would have had to pay for yourself, but they're going to do it so that you only have to wear the author hat. They're going to do all of the marketing, editing, and things like that. Um, and then the third route is called hybrid, where it's a mix of both. It is a company, a publishing company that does advertise themselves as hybrid publishing. They don't dress up as anything else and they're going to help you with both. So you're going to pay for some of it and they're going to help with some of it. You know, you're going to have to do some on your own and they're going to do some of it. And it's, it's a blend of what you want. I would say just be careful when looking into hybrid publishers. They will say if they are a hybrid publisher. Um, sometimes they pretend that they're traditional publishers and in truth, they're vanity publishers. They are making you pay an arm and a leg more than you, you would have paid for self-publishing and you probably could have done it better. So I would just say, do your research on hybrid. If that's what you're looking into, don't get scammed by the vanity publishers, but those are the main three ways. <laughs> Sums it all up. That was the quick and dirty lesson to publishing. I, I can't tell you, you know, we would be here for hours if I tried to talk to you about all the nuance of how to get into all of those. <laughs> it's definitely something where now that you kind of have like the three main ways you can go about it, you can try and figure out like what what works best for you financially, yep. personally, emotionally, all of that. Um, and kind of go through that fun little journey. And and for every book, it might be different. I've had some people say, well, this book is just too niche. It will not fit into any traditionally published market. So if I ever want to see this book on the shelves, I have to self-publish it. And then there are some people that, well, I've got a book that would fit into the market and I don't have any money to self-publish it. So traditional publishing is really the only way to go. It, it depends on book. It depends on time. And that's where you get people who end up doing both. I mean, it's all a game of sacrifice ultimately, because on one hand, yes. you really get a lot of freedom, which is more important for some people than, you know, you like using up a lot of their time in order to have all of these different elements sorted out. Um, but some people, obviously, they don't have the time or it's not as in they don't um, want the freedom as much. So they would obviously go down the more traditional route. Right. Yeah, there's definitely that sacrifice of, Money or freedom, choose one. Thanks. I think that's a good way to kind of sum it all up. Question number five, what kind of writing schedule should I have? A consistent one would be yeah, great. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> um, honestly, like, the thing is, personally, I've experienced the fact that um, if I tell myself, oh, I should just write, like, this week, I should just write, like, two hours or something, 
um, I won't actually go and write two hours. Like I need to plan out specific times when I go do that. And I've made it like a, um, like a weekly on a weekly basis. I write at specific times, uh, for like, um, on specific days. And that really helps, um, to have this consistency. And even when I don't want to write, I get to like sit down and actually do it. And from there I see progress. Um, whereas if I just sort of leave it up to my moods, it just, it never works out. Yeah. And it also depends what your goal is. If your goal is to purely just have fun, write something that's on your mind, write whenever you want, treat it like journaling, write whenever the mood strikes. Um, but if your goal is to finish something, if your goal is to become a more prolific writer, um, to increase the quality of your writing to get published to improve in any way or to accomplish something you do have to have a consistent writing schedule and I think of that um the from the book called outliers I can't remember the author but in the book outliers it's like a self-help book and he talks about that to be proficient to become an expert at something you have to put in 10,000 hours minimum and that sounds like a lot but I after I read that I tallied it up how much writing I was doing. I did a rough estimate because I was writing in high school, like many hours a week because I wasn't doing my schoolwork. And um, it it tallied up to that I had done over 10,000 hours. And I'm like, oh, but I don't feel like an expert yet. So I heard that and I'm like, I don't think 10,000 hours is enough. I think you need more like 50,000 hours to be an expert at this. But it, it really comes down to consistency and frequency. You got to do it a lot. You have to write a lot. You have to absorb a lot of writing and reading and you have to take feedback and you just have to keep doing it a lot. Um, because, and, and I can see this because if I look back at old manuscripts and old things that I'd written, and if I line them up in the order that they were written, the improvement is very, very obvious. And it was, I had to write several hundreds of thousands of words to to get to a point where I was proud of my writing. For someone starting out with writing or trying to develop a writing schedule, do you kind of have like a tip for that? Like maybe a basic schedule they can start doing? Yeah, I think, and again, it depends on personality type. If you are an organized list keeper, I would say use NaNoWriMo org. Use their website, their stats page, where you can set up your goal and they give you daily how much you should write a day if you want to reach this goal. Um, and that's that's helpful for me because I'm a type A person and I like the organized to-do list. This is what I need to do today kind of thing, even if it's something I want to do. Um, and if you're not like that, if you hate to-do lists and you just kind of want to do it as as you feel like it, then I have some mentees that they are weekend writers. So when they don't have other responsibilities going on, they at least know, okay, at least this weekend, I'm going to sit down and write for as long as I can. Um, whatever works for you. If, if you're someone that you know you're going to have free time at this time of the day or at this day of the week, then just tell yourself, all right, that day is when I'm going to do it. You don't have to make it a scheduled to-do list, but that can just be sometime this weekend I'm going to sit down and write for as long as I can or want to yeah or just like even starting small just saying on this specific day like on the Saturday I'm going to allocate like specifically two hours or something and then just Mm -hmm. like seeing how it goes and not 
you don't even have to have a specific goal in mind or like write this many words. It's just about like sitting down and actually starting to write because I think the hardest part is sitting down and writing. And then once you begin, it all just begins to flow in some way. And I like that you said two hours because I see a lot of advice out there that's like, oh, you only need 10 minutes a day. Like, and those those words will add up. And it's like, that's true, but are you really getting into the groove of it then? Yeah. Um, when people get into the groove of writing, you can churn out so much more. You can connect with the story and the characters so much more. If you're constantly taking breaks and getting your mind off of it, you're just losing that train of thought that you were in. So I, I personally recommend maybe more than 10 minutes a day, just because however long it takes you to get into the groove and to focus. But also 10 minutes, like whenever I sit down to write for 10 minutes, it ends up being like, half an hour 45 minutes so like 10 minutes to read up to where I left off like (laughs) I'd just be staring at a page (laughs) question number six when do you start a new paragraph I know this is kind of one of those basic ones but let's let's do the basics right so that that's this one took me a while and to be honest I didn't learn this from like grammar or English classes I I learned this from reading a lot and then I was told what the rules were later and I'm like oh yeah that makes sense because that's what they do in the books but um it's it's whenever you're having a change or a shift of focus that could be a a change of focus of characters so maybe in this paragraph you have character a talking and doing things if you're going to if you're shifting the focus to what character b is saying you're doing new paragraph um, if you're shifting, say you only really focus on one character, maybe it's like a monologue scene. Um, anytime again, the focus shifts. So maybe in the first paragraph, they're in their head, they're thinking. And then the next paragraph, they're noticing something externally. That would be a new paragraph because there's a shift in focus. It's really just whenever there's a shift because you want it to, it helps the reader as well shift their focus because in that first paragraph, that's what they're focused on. In the second paragraph, they're focused on the next thing. Um, if you have them all together, it's hard to know when am I when am I shifting my focus? What am I focusing on now? Because the paragraph began with this focus, and now all of a sudden, I realized we're not on that anymore. So it, it's good to have p- paragraph breaks anytime the focus of dialogue, scenes, thoughts, what's being noticed, whatever is shifting. I've said it better myself. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's one of those basic ones, but it's something that I think people yeah. struggle with when writing. Because, yeah, and it's also, you know, different. It can be tricky when the author's focus feels shifted. But, you know, maybe whatever was being focused on is so similar that the reader or an editor will be like, well, this is kind of the same thing. Let's make it one paragraph. And then there are some people who hate having lots of little paragraphs because they're shifting the focus so fast. And so frequently, and so they'll just kind of like put things together. And you can, you can do that. But again, don't break the rule until you understand the rule, because you only break rules to make a point um, or to do something that it, it's it's setting out with a goal that you're breaking this rule to communicate something. So again, don't be smushing together a bunch of paragraphs unless for a point. You know, maybe some people might smush them together because they want to show that this character's thoughts are just pinballing all over the place and it's a stream of consciousness. Like, that's to prove a point. Um, But yeah, mainly just kind of think about shifting focus 
And then once you understand that, that's when you start bending the rule. And it, it, with everything in writing, it's subjective. There's nuance. You can change it. But the general consensus has been you don't change it until you understand the rule first. Perfect. You're so, you're so, you have like all the answers. I, I love grammar. <laughs> <laughs> I hate grammar. It's horrible. Um, all right. So now we have some questions from Instagram. So from um, yeah, that one's last. Don't worry. Oh, good. I can't wait for the next question. <laughs> <laughs> um, so from Ali.illustrated on Instagram, how to just get started on the first draft? I mean, this comes back to sort of what we were talking about, where it is about making yourself or just getting yourself to like sit down and do it. There's really... <sighs> There's really no like tips or tricks here. It is very like this simple idea of like sitting down. But um, what really helps is once again like giving yourself um some time to do it and allocating like a a significant portion of time. But also just um like things like getting a good environment to write in. For example, it's impossible to okay. Well, in my experience, it's impossible to write in like a loud room or if there's even like anyone talking, I have to like retreat into like a cave or something but um just a really quiet place is good and it 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 becomes less intimidating once you start um but of course it's about making that first step yeah and and it really just comes down to do you want to do this or not if you do do it um there are some tips for making it less intimidating at least um i know for me it was writing in a non-pressured way first so that was role play where I was writing the characters that I wanted to turn into a story in like a game setting for fun that nothing nobody's going to judge this this is literally just a game for fun um and then I could take what I did there for fun and and convert that to my first draft essentially and and it helped me get going um also you've got to get past the mental hurdle of my first draft is going to suck. Oh, well. Um, and you have to enjoy it, too. I, for me, I would do, I, when I got started writing, it's always, it's almost always when I start a first draft, it's like midnight, where I'm tired, but the story is in my head, and I just have to get it out. And so that's when I'm doing it, when there's no distractions around. Um, and if you're not sure where to start, if, if that's what part of the question is, I always say for a first draft, start it where the, start, the, where the story started in your head. So if in your head when you got this idea, wh- wherever it started, that you got excited for it in your head, that's where you should start writing it, at least for a first draft. Yeah, and on that note, it's kind of, it, it helps to like sort of plan things out or just break it down. So um, if you have this idea, it's, it, it can be very daunting to just jump right in and like write this idea. But if you can break it down and, you know, make your chapters and make your scenes, then it all kind of will fall naturally into place. And then you have something to um, begin with and like work with. Right. Yeah. Outlines. Except when I say outlines, I don't mean structured three act or the beat sheet. I mean literally just bullet points of everything you want to make sure gets in the story. That's what I think of when I think outlines so that you can see, oh, these are bite-sized chunks that I can write. Perfect. Um, 
we've got another question from Ali Illustrated. Um, best way to build your plot and expand your world building and characters? There's no right answer. This is nuance <laughs> again. It depends on the person. It depends on the story. Um, I mean, I can tell you what works for me, but it, it might not work for you. Um, for me, the best way to build my plot is to tell the story in my head first for fun and then make that bullet point list and then see where I can improve that bullet point list to make it more of a story flow um, for expanding on world, world building and characters. It comes down to like making an aesthetic digital notebook page with information and pictures about everything because I'm a visual person and, and having those visuals of things helps me. Um, for characters, I like to write journal entries or letters to and from different characters to help me kind of get in their heads and how their voice sounds. But it, it's different for everyone, for sure. Yeah, and um, like for things like plot, there are like um, ways that you can structure it with the three-act structure and all of those like different ways that you can begin um, making it come alive. But um, it's always good to in start building in like stakes. And I think once you have sort of stakes, you can really build your plot up because suddenly there is all of this different action and all of these different pathways that your characters are going down or going through. And um, that really starts to be begin the like plot itself or the story, which is what the novel or novella is like centered around. Mm -hmm. That makes me think of, yeah, that makes me think of that. Um, I've seen it on Pinterest a hundred times, but I don't know who the author was that said it. That's like, figure out what your character wants most and then think oh, yes. of all the ways that you can keep them from getting it. <laughs> There's your story. <laughs> How can you make your character's life as hard as possible? Yeah, make them suffer. That's the whole point of writing. Exactly. Could so I done. do it. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, our next question is from Kaylee Miriam on Instagram. How do you get all your thoughts organized when starting to outline? I find it so difficult to get all my thoughts and ideas into one place that I can use to outline. I, I wish I could show Kaylee my outlines because they would not feel so bad about organization <laughs> if they saw my outlines. But like... <laughs> um, I, you know, I was just talking to one of my mentees the other day, and she has like a 30-page outline where it's just stream of thought all the way through. Um, but it, it sounds like Kaylee is someone who wants to have an organized outline that they can actually comprehend, and, and, and others might be able to comprehend as well. <laughs> um, and if that's the case, do a rough draft of an outline too. Just, you know, somewhere have stream of thought everything, all your thoughts as they come to you. And then put those, organize those thoughts into an outline, be it character information, plot information, world information, and then, you know, this, the, the actual flow of the story organization. I often do, I call them my, um, my rough plots, and I'll just put bullet point, bullet point, bullet point for like several pages of how the story should go. And then I organize those, that rough outline into, okay, now how can I break these into chapters that make sense? How can I, you know, make this a more cohesive story? Maybe I need to rearrange something. Um, don't feel pressure that the first time you sit down to make an outline, it has to be 
beautiful and makes sense because our brains don't work in a logical way hardly ever. So you're going to have to just put stream of thoughts somewhere in writing because, you know, we're all writers. I think we're a bit visual and we, it helps us think through things to write things. And so you just have to put it all down somehow and then organize the mess later. Yeah, I mean, this isn't standard, but I personally use Notion because I find that I can really separate things like different chapters of different pages and it's all in one document. And then I also have like another document. So I kind of skip between all of these, which once again, like yeah. I don't have a really Just label. Just this. label stuff so you can find it later and you're good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 for sure. Notion is really great. That's what um, I've been using for my for my whip and it's just being able to like explore all the different aspects of your your story and mm-hmm. separating it out in a very aesthetic way yes <laughs> kind of, aesthetics it, are it, key exactly exactly like you're making it kind of you almost because you're like oh i'm gonna be looking at this every day for the rest of my life um, yeah. i want to be able to look at something nice and then it's also so easy to organize. You can just add right. subsection after subsection after subsection. And like you're like eight pages deep. But like yeah. you've, you've got what you need. Yeah. Now, if I, in case we, I misunderstood the question from Kaylee. If Kaylee's asking um, how to even create all these thoughts maybe for your story, then you can, you know, how to get into the generating these thoughts. I would say go to nanorimo.org again because they have a great like workbook that asks you all the questions about your story, your plot, your characters, your world to get you thinking about all of them. And you can just fill it out. It's free. It's a PDF. Um, and that's also a good way to organize your thoughts because it's already organized in the workbook and you can work through it however you want to and then come back to it later for information if you forgot. But there's also that. Um, our next questions are from the lovely Kosi writes on Instagram. Um, and I'm just going to ask all three of them at the same time because they increasingly get funnier and funnier. Um, so our first question is how do I balance writing and life? Okay. Uh, And then our next one is how do I make words go? (laughs) And then the last one is just help. So let's try and help Kosi out here. I also need help though, Cosette. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So, the one thing, this is something my mom always told me, and it's just, you know, mom wisdom that applies to everything in life. You make time for the things that matter to you. Everyone does this. And so, if writing matters to you in life, you will find time. If writing is not a priority in your life, you won't find time. And that's okay. That just means other things are taking priority in your life right now. And you maybe need to just focus on those to get through that phase of life. Um, you're not less of a writer if writing isn't important to you right now. It's, it's just that's how life goes. So for balancing writing in life, if, if you want to write, you will find time to write somehow. You're going to sacrifice something for that. In my case, it was a social life of any kind. But you know, that was, writing was more important to me because I already, I wasn't looking for, well, I have to have a social life. Like that just wasn't as important to me. Writing was. And so I made time that way. And then there were phases of life where I was 
getting married, finding a job, getting a home. I didn't get to write as much just because life stuff kind of took precedence, but I still loved writing. I just didn't love it as much as I wanted a roof over my head at the time. Um, so there's no other than people can tell you, oh, you need to work on time management. Oh, you need to work on your scheduling, that kind of thing. But it really just comes down to it doesn't matter if you're organized or not or a good time management time manager or not. If you want to do it, you go find time. Yeah, damn. And I mean, it's just about not really <laughs> putting any pressure on yourself because once again, it, like writing is one of those things, particularly writing, where you can't really like make yourself do it all the time. Like it, it comes, it ebbs and it flows. So there are periods of your time, of your life where you're like subconsciously you are gaining inspiration. So you need breaks from your writing anyway. So yeah. it's like a step back from it um, sometimes and just, yeah. Yeah. And if Cosette needs the pep talk of, you can say no to other things. Do it. Go for mm. it. Tell those people I'm not doing this because writing is more important to me. You don't have to say because I'm writing. Just say no. They don't need an explanation for some things. Like, you know, I often get invited to things and I'm like, nope, can't tonight. And I don't tell them why, but it's just because for me personally, I was going to do writing instead. and you know that that doesn't make me a bad person <laughs> exactly um now i'm not sure if we can answer uh Cosette's next question which is how do i make words go um <laughs> do we have any advice try different mediums if you can't make words go on one medium try to make words go on another medium um if you are having trouble with a computer grab a notebook if you're having trouble um, with maybe in a particular setting, try a new setting to go go somewhere and write, go somewhere new and write. Um, yeah, that's all I can say for how to make words go. <laughs> Put fingers on keyboard and just see what happens. Right. And then Sasha's advice of just Nike, just do it. <laughs> just do it. <laughs> Perfect. Um, Thank you guys so much for coming on and answering some good questions. Um, thank you for coming on for another episode. I adore you both. Thank you for being here. Thanks for continually inviting me back. I don't know why you do. <laughs> because you have so many good things to say. Really? Everyone has yeah. to. Yes. Everyone Just needs to know. Just off with like the exactly. advice and everything. Exactly. My Life coaches are us. Yes. <laughs> um so thank you so much guys um and thank you for listening we will be back with another um frequently asked questions episode next season uh but for now here you go hope you enjoyed thank you for tuning in uh make sure you check us out on instagram twitter tiktok lots of fun stuff happening um and yeah we'll catch you next time